0: Good morning. Actually, Framingham's kind of like more like the mothership, I think. Um, we're a daughter church from Framingham um, as the roots go back. Right, Kevin? I think it goes back a long way. So um, some of our folks in here may have even attended there at some time in the past. So, yeah, so it's like the mothership. And we've been there uh, over the past month, uh, if you've missed us. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have a chance to share God's word with you uh, and to do that. Um, I need like three-quarters of the room smiles right now, so can I get somebody? All right, good. All right. I need that I need that. Okay, there you go. I got one out of Roberto. Not, not easy to get one out of Roberto sometimes, but I got one. Let's pray. God, I ask you to speak through me today, and would you filter out my words and make them your words? Um, If it takes it through my tongue or through the ears or through some spiritual path, I'd ask you to do that and that we would hear what you're saying today and you'd speak to us and move through us. I know you love us. I know you care for us. And I just, in expectation, long for you to talk to us today. We bring honor to you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we're in a sermon series, uh, Experiencing Joy in Jesus, is today's sermon. And we're in this series called Being Joyful, using the New Testament book of Philippians as our source. And last week, Rob presented a message to us about being joyful in difficulties, joyful in whatever circumstance and how we do that. And I wanted to roll back into that a little bit because I believe it touches into this week's message how we experience that joy. And so let me just recap just for a minute because I think it was really, really good. There was three things that when we live them out help us see the joy of life in spite of our circumstances, in spite of difficulties. And the first one was this. Sometimes our joy is found when discovering our higher purpose. And that is to honor Jesus and to honor others. And there's something being seen when we discover it unveiled to us that it's here about Jesus. It's not about me. And I can look beyond the circumstances and then there's a joy that starts coming out of it. The second point was this. That joy is seeing the kingdom of God advance despite of our difficulties. <laughs> and despite of what we're going through, we learn from Paul that we can find joy even through difficulties, because the kingdom of God is moving forward. And there's things happening that God's being revealed and God's being seen in our world. And the third point was this. There's this joy in realizing that God can change our circumstances and God can change our difficulties. Many times that's why we pray not in some kind of blind hope that maybe or maybe some outlandish way it happened but that god can change things and there's joy that's revealed to us in that way so the question that unrolls for us is how do we get to that point right how do we get to the point where we actually live that out it's one thing to say it and to see how somebody else has experienced it but how do we experience this joy how do we do that, and no matter what and and then I was thinking, why do some people kind of rise up through it, and they seem to be able to bear on and move forward, and some of us struggle, and one difficulty just leads to others, and some people say their difficulties come in pairs, and some say no i 'm better than you because mine comes in threes and uh, and so on and so forth and I've only had two, and so I'm waiting for the other one. And as soon as that comes through, uh, we kind of live out that, don't, don't we? We kind of think that way sometimes. But for me, and I've said this many times, for me, it's remembering and observing those encounters that God has had in our lives. And we point to Scripture to remind us of what God's done in the past and what God's doing in the future. And when we reflect on those, if we look back on them, we can say, God's helped me through this. God's helped her or him through this. I know he'll continue. He's not giving up. He's going to stay with me, and I'm going to bear on through this. I mean, what greater example is a church family we have this year? I mean, Tristan run over by a car. Good grief, guys, and God saved him. God rescued him. Is that not a miracle? And he's just running around, probably even in the kids zone right now, doing all kinds of stuff, and God's with us. God moves and he does things. It's remarkable. And you have your own God moments and your own God stories. And it's remembering those that help us reflect that God's there with us, even through the difficulties. But how do we get to this point of really, really experiencing joy? Experiencing joy in Jesus. As we go through these encounters it reminds us that we do have a higher purpose. And it reminds me, and I think it reminds us, that giving my best, giving my all, is what should drive me, not the outcomes. If you heard what I just said, that's so bizarre in our current world and culture that we live in. Because the current world is, oh, they came up short. They're the first loser. They got second place. They only won the silver medal as the second fastest person in the world. And we kind of like, oh, how's it feel to fall short? And the whole interview is about how you fell short. And you watch some of the interviews and say, I gave my all. I did my very best, and I left it all out there. And I'm thankful. I can walk away from this knowing I did, and that's a whole different view, but that's not our world culture, is it? But God's got a different idea about how he looks at and he wants us to give her, give her all. Aurel and I started this with our kids even in school a long time ago. When the report cards, the early elementary school report cards come in, they didn't just come with a grade, like what you made in the class. They usually came with another whole section that was difficult to sort through and it's all kinds of listen questions but it's basically and how you h- how your attitude was how your efforts were and it was all these check marks and usually that was more detailed and we'd spend a lot more time alan's smiling now we'd spend a lot more time on how was your effort than was the outcome grade because we related early that if you give your all then the grades will take care of themselves Whether it's an A or B or C or whatever, they'll take care of it. Do you agree with me? Have you seen that? Have you felt that way too? It's about giving our best. And these encounters also remind us that we need to be more sacrificial than judgmental. That it's not really about me, it's about something else, something greater. And we do see the kingdom of God advancing, and we do see the enemy being defeated. And we, can je- and we can jealously strive for that and keep that as in, fr- in front of us. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that Jesus is acting on our behalf. So it is my personal experience and belief that giving our best, giving our all, and reaching for our full potential and what we can do, in our lives laying it all out there for what we do and live for in christ is fulfilling is gratifying at least on the mental and conscientious level and we have to set aside as i mentioned we have to set aside the outcomes and results because god's outcomes and results aren't always line up with ours and the gold and silver medals don't always line up. But it's how we give. At the end of the day, can I walk away from this and say, I gave it all? I I I I did it all. Did I run the race? <laughs> did I perform it away? And you know, as a culture, we talk about this a lot and we use a lot of expressions. And I started thinking about it, we have all kinds of expressions about this. We'll say things, did you leave it all on the field? Have you heard that? Or leave it all on the court? Did you you leave it all there? Did you give your all? Hold nothing back. Pull no punches. Empty the tank. Go all out. Pull out all the stops. Put the pedal to the metal and just keep going. We have tons of expressions And that's just in the English language, and I can't imagine in some of your own native tongues how many other expressions are like that. Give your all. Go for it. And just with a couple of words, leave it all on the field. You know exactly what's being said, don't you? Well, I think there's something very satisfying when we do leave it all out on the field. We've done our very best, no matter what the outcomes were. And we can walk away with our head up and feel like that's what I did. I used all my talents, I used all my abilities, I used all my energy, and I poured it out. I have a little video clip I'd like to show you. Um, I think it's a great example of never giving up and leaving it all on the track. Thirty-meter It's gonna be very, very difficult for Michelle Finn here future Olympian to reign this one in. She's got too much of a gap. Can she hold out of CIT here in third place as DCU set off at a strong pace as UCC look good in fifth and look that like they were passing out DCU into fourth place. The big battle here is for second call. It is it's between Cork and Darius. Oh, I spoke UL too soon. CIT and UL, but can't look, look at Michelle Finn. And Michelle Finn turbo blast rejects of the steeplechase. Hello. are going to get this, Colin. She's going to go past the UCL. She's out on her feet. Michelle Finn, the future Olympian. Power's on by. Here comes CIT. Another effort in a home straight. And here comes UCC. I think we're going to get third, calls UCC from the depths. They're popping through. Oh, Michelle what Finn is sick. That's how I want to live my life. <laughs> I mean, flat out, face plant. <laughs> right before the throne of God. I gave it all. Who's with me? That's what we want to live. That's how we want to live our lives. I love that video. I saw it's been shown 32 million times on the ESPN website alone, and it just blew me away. I think I watched probably some million of them, or at least I just kept watching the thing over and over again. I'm just so encouraged from, from nowhere because they wouldn't give up. I worked a lot in cork ireland uh had a manufacturing facility there and so i spent a lot of time there i just love the guys i mean the enthusiasm and you can heard the guy just who went ballistic at the you know announcing that but that's that's what it is that's how we feel experiencing joy in, le- in jesus is leaving it all and living it all on the track for him so the question is this at least the first one for today. Are we leave, leaving and living it all on the track for Jesus? Would you close your eyes just for a moment? God, I just would ask, help us search our hearts right now. I mean, majority of this room, raise their hand. They want to leave it all and live it all on the track for you and what we do in this life. Right now, we just give that to you. We just give that to you. Amen. So that's the first question that we have to sort through our mind. Is that me? Or did I pull up and coast in, made the top three? Shoot, that guy was like number five or six back, wasn't even in the video, and came out of nowhere. Well, there's a biblical text that follows in the passages we've been using in Philippians. Would you turn with me into Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20? If you have a Bible, uh, an app, uh, could you open it up? If not, we're also going to put it on the screen for you. And I'd like to read God's Word for us this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that, that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. What powerful words. What para- powerful thoughts that come out of this. And God, as we spend a few moments in this, would you just open them up for us? Open them up so we hear you. I'd like to take a little bit deeper dive into this text. And think for a few moments about the first verse, verse 20. Paul wrote, and I'll read it just again, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. Here's what he says. Using this New Living Translation, he says, I fully expect and hope. That literally is translating a phrase that means, I'm leaning out with my neck extended. Like this. I, I'm leaning out watching with my neck extended. You might think, that sounds weird. I guarantee you, almost everybody in this room's done that. If you've ever been looking for anybody getting off a plane, you're waiting for them in the waiting area, or you have a child that's been on a field or in a play or in a performance somewhere, your neck's been like this, hasn't it? You've been looking, longing, and you can't wait to see, and you're trying to make connections, you're even trying to get eye contact, and you're looking and longing and this phrase is the idea of that i am I'm, I'm out here and i'm doing this i fully expect and hope i've got my neck stretched out i'm watching i did this in a uh, shameful way this week because my kids bought me an iWatch watch for my birthday and it's been on hold and it finally was delivered this week and i've been leaning my neck out the window all day friday because ups sent me a signal and said it was coming and so i, I couldn't leave the house i had to stay home all day long Uh, with my neck sticking out like that. But Paul had a different idea. Paul said, I fully expect and hope. For what? He said that I'll never be ashamed. And, And not necessarily the shame of what I've done or who I am, but the idea that even through the difficulties and circumstances, I will have no fear. I will have no fear... To, that will prevent me from doing what I need to do. I have my neck extended in, in hope, in joyful hope and expectation, knowing that I'm not going to be prevented from doing what I need to do. And what is it that he wants to do and that he does? That he'll continue to be bold for Christ. That bold, that idea literally means that word is literally like freedom of speech. And, huh, an utterance that can't be stopped. I'm, I'm going to lean forward into my life like this, and I'm not going to fall short. I'm not going to let anything get in the way so that I can be bold, that I can speak out for Christ. As he says, I have in the past. Paul emphasizes his past boldness for Jesus. Matter of fact, that's what landed him where he's at right now because if you remember paul's writing this from prison not because he didn't pay his uh you know a bill or a fine or got in trouble in some kind of other way no it's because he was preaching jesus and christ crucified and he wouldn't back off because that's his message and what god called him to do and he finds himself in prison And he wants to let us know no matter what, no matter what his circumstance, no matter what his difficulty is, he's leaning out neck forward and nothing's going to prevent him from being bold to talk about Jesus. And then a deeper dive in the back half of that verse, he says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. Christ. And dying is even better. He wants his life to bring honor. To bring praise and laud and and glory and greatness. Not to his own self-performance. That he obtained his own personal goal. But for Jesus. He wants his life to bring honor and praise and glory. And bring greatness towards Jesus. quote the love of my life and best friend araeli when she preaches she almost always says it's all about jesus only about jesus and always about jesus (laughs) and that's what that's the honor and then he says whether i live or die what made paul say something like this i gotta tell you when rob said okay um we did we laid out the schedule for who would help with framingham different weeks and he said okay so i'll go the 25th and you'll preach and then this is the section that comes up here and i first read through this biblical text like oh great hand me the one where he says it's better that i live or die like oh my goodness how am i going to tackle this and i wonder what would make paul say that well it's only fluid in this discourse in this passage if fully understood in the context of how harsh his imprisonment must have been we sometimes let hollywood soften up how he's gently sitting next to somebody um, and we see maybe prison or jail from our perspective as saying okay well he's you know at least he's got you know television and three square meals a day or something like that maybe not at all what untold beatings, what untold things he's going through and he's sitting in prison and he's not backing off because it's about Jesus. Only about Jesus, always about Jesus, and he's pushing forward. Whether I live or die, right now I just want to bring honor to him, he says. So verse 21, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Well, again, I think we need to understand that. What does he mean by that? Dying is even better. What what is living? I believe it unfolds in these following few verses of our text today. Let me read it one more time in verse 22. But if I live, Paul says, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I believe for Paul, living means the ability to do more. If I live in verse 22, I can do more there's something about i can stay in the game longer i can do more living for me means i can do more i want to do more for jesus and not just do more but do more fruitful work (laughs) not just busy work have more forms to fill out or more activities to do so when he's done he can present a list of activities but a list of things he's done that's been fruitful for god and for the kingdom that's how he wants to live I can be more fruitful, do more fruitful work for Christ. He can continue to leave it all and live it all on the track. The race is just out there for him, and it's not there until he crosses and face plants right before the throne. You got to admit, that's a great imagery today, right? And I think also living for him, for Christ, means this for Paul. Paul. In verse 24, he said, it's for your sakes. It's better that I continue to live. Living for Paul means it's better for others. He's not thinking about himself anymore. It's better for for those I'm serving, for the kingdom of God. It's better for you. I'm going to not put myself first. I'm going to strive for Jesus' agenda. Not mine. I'm going to leave it all on the track for Jesus and I'm going to advance the kingdom of God that's what living means for Paul is that what living means for us living means for Paul also in verse 25 to help you all grow and experience the joy of your faith to help others grow and experience the joy of your faith can you imagine living such a sacrificial life That what gives you life, what gives you life is pouring it into other people. It's giving it all on account of the kingdom so that you can see others experience this joy and this growth and relationship with Jesus no matter what. You're willing to live it out. And that gives him life. Regardless of the outcome for himself. Can you feel it? Which for a pause brings us to a second question this morning. We need to ask ourselves. I'm included in this, okay? Is how we're living helping others to grow and experience the joy of their faith? Is how I'm living, how you're living helping others to grow and experience the joy of their faith? Or am I supporting the enemy? Stealing, destroying, killing. (laughs) I don't think there's an in-between. As I sat this morning and I knelt in our, our office in our home, another bedroom we call an office, that's what we do with things, right? As I knelt down there and prayed, and I looked up, I can't help but see two racks full of these little bonsai trees I'm trying to keep alive and one was looking at me all droopy like please I'm thirsty and part of my responsibility could said oh no but you're here you're with me and so you'll be fine it's okay and it still looked droopy because it needed water it needed a little attention and so I don't think there's an in-between. I think we're either helping people grow and we're watering them, so to speak. Or we're neglecting them. <laughs> or not helping them and destroying and killing or, or worse. So if living means all of that for him, for Paul, and should be for us, then what does dying mean to him? What does dying mean to Paul? Look at verse 23 in our text today. Can you back up a couple of slides, Kim? Yeah, I'm torn between two desires, Paul says. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Well, the simple answer is this. What's death mean to Paul? Death means being with Jesus in heaven. (laughs) that would be far better for me and he wasn't talking about just escaping from a prison cell and all that goes along with it in prison two thousand years ago which i can't imagine what it was even like but real death means i'm going to be with jesus i am alive with him and i'm going to be with him and you know what that'd be a lot better for me he says Which brings us to death should be nothing we, we should fear. If that's what death is, is being with Jesus, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, is what the Scriptures say in another place, then death is something we don't fear. Because we don't die. We just move into a relationship eternal with God. We shouldn't fear for ourselves, nor I'm going to step on a few toes, nor wish others out of it once they've already gone to be with Jesus. Jeff, how could you say something like that? Well, I I, I observed it in my own household. With my own father, who kept trying to bring mom back. And I think dad missed out on some of the joy. Lord, would you just tell him I don't mean to offend him right now. But I think dad missed out a little joy of this life by not letting go and realizing mom is right there. She's called and she's in his presence and moving and active and, and trying to keep pulling her back is not helping. Death's not something I'm fear because death is with Jesus. And so Paul writes, I'm really torn i could stink it up right here and stay in prison though in that i'm writing letters i'm ministering to the whole palace guard and to everybody that's here and people are coming to christ even others are preaching christ he said early in the chapter we read the last couple of weeks others are coming to christ even out of some trying to hurt me because they're talking about jesus more but the gospel is advancing people are hearing and responding to it <laughs> that is awesome or i could leave all this and i would be in the presence of jesus right now face plant before him where the king of kings being lifted up to receive eternity with him oh man i'm torn paul says <laughs> but you know what in that last verse i'm convinced that i'll remain i'll remain alive so i can continue to help to help all of you grow. To help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. So it boils down to this, folks. I believe we have to make a conscious and deliberate, a conscious and deliberate decision to live. And to live for Christ. To make it all about only about and always about jesus to say as long as i'm on the track as long as that goal's still out there and it's still achievable i'm running full out even if it means i can't walk another step past that finish line i'm not giving up until i go there i'm gonna live it out for jesus i'm gonna live it out in this life i'm gonna give it all for him There's a few takeaways, actually five, that I want you to hear out of this. Leaving and living it all on the track for Jesus, I think, means this. We become more driven and motivated to serve God. Even more. In and through everything we do. Paul said, I fully expect. My neck extended out and <laughs> full expect and hope. There's even more we can do. I'm still looking. I have to ask myself, am I, looking that, am I looking that hard for what more I can do in this life and for the Lord? And I'm not talking about being in full-time ministry or, or things, I'm just talking about in what we do, how we live in our life. If it's making lunch for your child in the morning before they go off to school, to what you're doing in the office, to what doing at your job, to how you're interacting with your spouse, to your family, with friends and neighbors, am I giving it all to serve God? And I also believe when we leave and live it all on the track for Jesus, the second point, we become bolder in living out our beliefs and faith. Once we're there... And we've experienced that. There's something about, wow, I've seen what God's doing. I'm just keeping, I'm pressing forward. I'm just going to keep pressing into this. I'll be more bold for him. More bold for my life. My life's worth the living. Because Jesus is with me. The third idea is that when we leave it and live it all on the track for Jesus, our joy becomes rooted in our relationship with God. Our joy becomes rooted in our relationship with God, not in the circumstances, difficulties, and things of this life. Not in how others respond to us or how we respond to our situations. The rootness, that rootedness comes out of our relationship with Jesus. Our joy comes through Him. The fourth point. When we leave it and live it all on the track for Jesus, we can overcome our own selfish desires and put the Lord's desires, the big picture of the kingdom of God, in front of everything. And Paul's saying, you know what? I'd much rather not be in this prison cell right now. Matter of fact, for me to not be here and to be gone out of this world, I'll be present with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, The creator of all things, the one who speaks in all of creation, stops and listens. But I'll put aside all my own desires, and I'll do what he calls me to do right now. I'm going to leave it and live it all on a track for Jesus. And the final point is this. When we do leave it and live it all on a track for Jesus, spiritual fruit is produced. But it's beyond just some kind of personal anointment, a personal kind of satisfaction that, oh, I experienced this spiritual fruit in my life. It becomes a spiritual fruit, and that's what it is, a fruit that produces and flows into the lives of others. Reproducing and causing growth and joy in their faith. There's something that happens, not just that something comes up out of you, and there's a new love and peace that's in you, a new joy that's within you, but that it flows out and affects others around you. I think that's why in the letter to the Galatians, he wrote this. Here's what spiritual fruit is. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. I'm sure everybody that came out of the kids' zone can sing this song, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that's the faith, that's the fruit that the spirit produces in our lives and when it's being produced in our lives it's not just about for my oh I now feel peace or I now feel love or I now feel joy or I now have my own self control which is all great but there's something that Paul says if it's producing fruit that means fruit that is helpful and beneficial for others for the kingdom I thought of this in this morning a really for the last almost 18 years actually more but that's just in Alan's life I'm not counting Eliza or other kids but for well she was probably three when she started making breakfast uh, lunches for the kids when they went to school keep her in perspective age but she's been making lunch and she could get up every morning and make the lunches for the kids to go to school but if she just decided I'm just going to make lunch today I'm being fruitful because I'm making lunch but if she didn't make it for alan alan's going to go to school and he can say i saw lunch was there but i didn't get it she experienced lunch that she would have later but she didn't give it to somebody else is that simple but there's something about producing spiritual fruit that it's not just about us we get lost in that sometimes but it benefits others where's the spiritual fruit in your life and who's it benefiting Our experience in joy in Jesus drives us to see others experience the joy of their faith. That's what it's about, right? In whatever circumstances, whatever difficulty, whatever life brings, even imprisonment, even whatever you're in right now, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle is going through, even into death, there is joy that can be experienced in Christ. I would like to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to spend some time in worship. And I'd like you to reflect on these words this morning and what God says in his word. And I hope it does bring some joy to you as we prepare to worship. But I'd like you to reflect on these two questions and we'll come back and that's how we'll minister this morning. But we're thinking about how do I leave it all and live it all on the track for Jesus? Is that the story I'd write about my life right now? God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the chance to reflect on it publicly and openly together with one another and i ask you just move and with your holy spirit right now just move over our worship team move over all that's going to happen the songs and the things that we do and say would bring praise and honor not to ourselves but as paul said honor and praise to you and we give it all to you now in your name jesus amen